right, friends, we are back with your favorite podcast show of the week. It's Location Weekly. It's episode number 569. We're recording on uh, May the 16th. Um, Abriana, how are you? I'm doing good. Was uh, I'm doing well, I should say. It's like full-blown spring here. It's been nice. We had pretty okay weather this weekend and was able to get back and uh, serve in the community a little bit with my kids and do a little bit of like gardening, picking up some new flowers for the house. So that was kind of fun, but things are good. You know, I can't believe like we're nearly halfway through the year. It's speeding by, but how about you? You just got back from a big trip. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I got back actually at midnight last night, so I'm a little tired, but I'm, I'm doing okay. Um, yeah, it was a great week uh, in Amsterdam and then a quick little stopover in London. But uh, yeah, I was at the Geospatial World Forum, uh, which I did two panels uh, at. And uh, yeah, it was really interesting because it's, you know, that community is very sort of high-end uh, enterprise, you know, satellite imagery and you know, kind of touches on so many different sectors that we don't typically talk about, like agriculture and telecom and, you know, all kinds of things like that. But there was a significant portion um, where I was kind of oriented around mobility and business intelligence and advertising a little bit. So, yeah, I had this great panel with um, uh, Ogilvy, the agency, uh, Coca-Cola, mm-hmm. um, and a few others. Um, that was uh, eBay, uh, sorry. And that, that was really fascinating. It was, it was really neat to see kind of what people are doing in different parts of the world again. And, the, and, the, and those speakers came from all over Europe. It wasn't just kind of uh, Dutch-based. Uh, so, yeah, so it was a good week. And like, like uh, here in Toronto or there in New York, spring seems to be everywhere. It was beautiful, warm weather. Can't complain. The only thing I can complain about is my Blue Jays are in like a tail spin downwards right now. They've lost so many games since I've been gone. So... Maybe it's, I just need to come back and then, you know, they'll, they'll start winning again. I don't know. But. Yeah, maybe you're the good luck charm. They need you there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, anyhow, we have a good show for you this week. Four stories as per usual. So I'll let Aubriana kick us off. All right. So let's start off with Facebook. Facebook is ending some of their location. I guess when you're visiting other cities or in the same area as you, um, as well as local weather alerts, um, location history, and I think background location. These are all that that were, you know, there's they're sunsetting these at the end of the month, so May 31st, no more. And then if you are interested in um, having access to the data or downloading that data, you need to do that by August 1st, and um, that the data will be deleted after that date. Now. These tech changes or product offerings don't necessarily um, ensure that these, this type of data, these data feeds will just cease to exist. I highly doubt that, right? Um, Facebook is a company that's founded on data. You know, they, they make a lot of money off of their advertising. We know this. And they want to know everything about every user that they have. So I am a little perplexed as to what's the point in ending the products. And my guess is that maybe it's the same face a little bit, uh, maybe just ensuring that they're not out there touting that they're collecting this data and showing that they're collecting this type of location data, uh, perhaps while still being able to capture it in the background. Um, I'm not sure. I mean, I think that both 
uh, weather alerts as well as find your friends are, are things that are interesting and, and probably useful for people who maybe travel a lot or travel for business and you want to see who else is in the same city as you are when you're visiting. Um, so, you know, it's interesting. There was not a lot of information in terms of the why. Um, but, you know, there's also a lot of other movement that's happening around Facebook and Meta as a whole and several tech giants with hiring freezes, different layoffs. So there's just a lot of, I think, tumultuous ground that's happening, whether it's on the product front and capturing location data um, or just with the growth of these companies in general. So TBD will have to keep a watch on this and a pulse on like these changes that are happening here. But, you know, what do you what do you think? What do you think the reason is behind some of these uh, adjustments that they're making? Yeah, I think it's really hard to say. I, I mean, I know, you know, if we go back a little bit in time, you know, when Apple, you know, made all their privacy changes, uh, you know, to the IDFA and so on, you know, Facebook was up in arms as were several others because, you know, they were worried that they weren't going to be able to have access to the same data they've always had access to and that would limit their ad revenue and so on and so forth. So I do wonder, you know, specifically around location data, if, you know, the sort of trying to keep up with the technical requirements of what Apple's you know, put in force or the limitations, you know, that they've created, you know, are, are making it so that it's not, you know, the, the sort of the cost benefit for them in maintaining these services isn't there anymore, right? That's, that's kind of where my head is at. Um, and obviously that's only Apple, but, you know, you know, Google's, you know, Android's, you know, about to follow suit, you know, in a number of ways. So, you know, you know, I, I think it, for me, it's probably related to we're not in control of our own destiny here when it comes to this kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, there's there's a, a lot of limitations being put on us. And, and you know, maybe uh, we need to kind of just figure out which ones can we actually properly navigate and generate revenue from um, and which ones, you know, aren't really generating, you know, much revenue for us. So, and, you know, it's too it's too costly from a you know, maintenance perspective to, to keep up with, you know, sort of the, the hoops we have to jump through. I don't know. That's kind of my thoughts. Yeah. Let's we'll stay tuned and see. Yeah, we'll find out. So, all right, on to our second story then. So AT&T uh, is launched a, uh, a new service. They're the first carrier to launch location-based routing when it comes to uh, 911 calls. So, um, essentially they can transmit wireless 911 calls to the appropriate 911 call center on a nationwide basis um, through something they're calling locate before route uh, they're they partnered up with a company called intrado who's developed this technology and um, basically a device can be located and routed within 50 meters of the device's location um, and that's, you know, really, really powerful when it comes to there's an emergency and maybe somebody's life is in jeopardy because the current 911 service and, and the old technology that they've been using, um, you know, uh, off of cell towers is, is uh, basically a 10 mile radius. So going from 10 mile radius down to 50 meters uh, based on GPS and, and uh, other, you know, uh, sensor data, you know, is, is a huge leap forward. Um, they're initially rolling this out. Uh, it, it's a nationwide rollout, but it's already now available in Alaska, Colorado, Hawaii, Idaho, Montana, Oregon, Washington, Wyoming, Kansas, Illinois. It's a big bunch of states, and there's a few missing, but they're, the rest are coming in, in the subsequent weeks, not months. Um, 
so they intend to have this fully rolled out across the uh, the country um, in by the end of, of June. So coming along pretty quickly there. Um, and they say that sort of the rationale behind this is that when the original uh, 911 system was put in place, um, you know, at that time, you know, it was kind of, you know, it was built a long time ago, uh, you know, 50 plus years ago. And, you know, most people only had landlines at that time. And now we're very much, you know, a mobile uh, phone oriented society. They say that 68% of adults don't have a landline anymore in their home. And that 80% of 911 calls come from a mobile device today. So, you know, it just makes sense to kind of move to, you know, a an updated uh, infrastructure and framework here and partnering with Entrado. You know, it seems like a no-brainer. What are your thoughts? My first thought is like, what has taken so long? Um, yeah. And, <laughs> you know, we've had these capabilities for a long time in terms of getting really, really granular location data, whether that's through a the specific carrier like AT&T or whether it's through, uh, you know, GPS and, and us sharing those location aspects. So it's kind of beyond me why this has taken so long to just get adopted. And we're only talking about one carrier here. So there's a lot of people who maybe will not have access to this based on the fact that they use Verizon or T-Mobile or something else. Right. So I think this is something that is desperately needed. If any if at any time you want somebody to know your location, it is definitely when you're calling 911. Um, you know, and a lot of times if you're in the car, or you're on the move, you know, being able to say like, hey, you know, one time I saw a woman getting like pulled into a car and the car took off. And so being able to say like where I was and where the car was, was very difficult to explain, especially if you're not familiar with the roads where you're driving on. So you can just imagine like having something, an infrastructure where it just can automatically report where you're calling from, the direction that you're going if you're on the move. Um, I think this is one of those aspects where we absolutely as citizens want uh, to share our location when we're, when we're doing that. Um, you know, and maybe if not, then there's an anonymous line that you call separately, right? But in case of emergency, like I want somebody to be able to find me. Um, so I am, I'm happy that they're doing this, but I am hopeful that this will just be like the first of some quickly scaled uh, across like all of the other carriers and just available, um, you know, as, as much as possible um, for all of those that are, that are calling from a, a cell phone. Yeah, you would think it, it should be like just sort of available everywhere, right? Not something that's sort of a competitive advantage for one carrier over another. But Or can I text? Like, can I text because I need to be, I can't talk or, you know, like there just needs to be just simple, basic functions for <laughs> situations. And um, yeah, I think that in some, in a case that makes the most sense, we're the furthest behind from um, implementing to the technology, not necessarily the technology being available. So Hopefully this will be the start to some positive movement. <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right. So we have a new partnership that we are announcing um, or was announced this past week, but TikTok and Foursquare are partnering now on in-store visit data. This is not new for Foursquare. They've been doing this for a long time. They do this across a lot of digital campaigns in order to measure campaign efficacy. Um, but they're, you know, have announced this now. So obviously a lot more uh, businesses are advertising on TikTok these days. And so as that grows, they want to be able to measure the effectiveness of their uh, campaigns when it comes to driving people into stores, reaching into that middle and lower funnel attribution. 
and Foursquare attributions used by they're touting over a thousand brands and over 550 publishers and platforms. So they are just trying to help advertisers one understand is the campaign effective and two how do we tweak the campaign in order to reach uh, the right audience perhaps to improve that. Um, so TikTok has also debuted a new service that's called Pulse. Uh, and this is, which is interesting because we launched a Pulse product years ago when I was a digital envoy. Um, so it's kind of a blast from the past, but it's contextual advertising solution. And they are letting advertisers put their brands next to the top content. So for the For You feed, they're adding more and more categories of content where you can place, brands can place ads next to specific content around maybe beauty or fashion or uh, cooking, gaming, anything there. So I think they're really trying to get this more contextual play as well as like, you know, bridge into a full on advertising uh, ecosystem. But they started out by just gaining the massive amounts of users and consumers that are actively on TikTok on a daily basis. And now they're scaling it um, to monetize it. So from a business perspective, they're definitely doing it the right way. And obviously, you know, Foursquare and the effective measurement, you know, is still a viable option for now. Um, so we'll see how how that I would say like progresses in terms of with the location data dwindling down and and um, you know, third-party data being less and less available. It'll be interesting to see how scalable that solution is for the long term. But for the near term, right now, I think the solution and this partnership makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I, I, I think it's, I mean, as you said, Foursquare has been in this game for a long time, um, you know, tracking where people are going and, and their footfall numbers and working with lots of publishers um, and platforms. So I think, you know, this to me is really about TikTok is, it has been on a huge growth spurt. Brands are embracing the platform. Uh, you know, you mentioned their new Pulse offering. So, so I, I think it's it's really at the end of the day, like we've seen with Snap and and others, you know, these brands that are spending you know ad dollars on these platforms are wanting ways to measure you know effectiveness and attribution, um, and if it's you know about you know some some sort of brand that has a product available in a physical store environment, you know, are you able to kind of look and say, hey, did that ad result in in you know movement physically to that store where they can buy and purchase um you know and obviously that's at the core of what we you know what we talk about at the location-based marketing association but it's um you know I, I think it's just it's just you know further justification that TikTok is is continuing to grow as a platform and um you know we're, we're seeing more and more offerings coming from them and from others you know sort of you know related uh type of, of platforms right and but it speaks to that overall trend that we've been covering the last number of months, which is, you know, attribution, 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 right? Like it's, you know, how can we measure this stuff, whether it's out of home or TikTok or, you know, whatever the case might be, um, the brands are looking for some way to tie it back, right? And not just, hey, we spent this and, you know, here's how many clicks and impressions we got, you know, did it actually result in traffic to the store? So I think it's good. I think it's a strong partnership, but, um, you know, we'll uh, we'll watch and, and see if there's any any metrics that come out in the months to come. All right, our uh, final story for this week is kind of a cool one. Um, Unilever um, it has uh, teamed up with a company called Robomart, uh, and Robomart is somebody we've talked about um, not recently, but you know, going back a couple of years. Um, so it's a company that. Uh, 
they create mobile stores that basically, you know, through an app, you can have the store, you know, sort of come to you. And so what they've done is, is they've created something called the RoboMart uh, ice cream shop. So it's a mobile store on wheels, essentially, uh, that is just packed full of Unilever ice cream brands, which include Ben and Jerry's, Talenti, Breyers, and others. Uh, and the shop's available in Los Angeles. Um, so it's just like a regular ice cream truck, except that you basically jump onto the app, uh, you open open it up, find the vehicle and the items that you want, and then basically the RoboMart you know vehicle arrives you know into your street, your neighborhood, wherever you are. Automatically charge your card, automatically give you a receipt all through the app, um, and you get your items. And you know your kids are happy that they have their ice cream uh, in the driveway. That <laughs> it's not more complicated than that, but I think it's kind of cool. It, it's. Um, you know, like where where my house is, uh, we still have like the old school ice cream trucks that come around all summer long, with the guy ringing the bell or gal ringing the bell, you know, as they as they're on the street. And that, like to me, there's some nostalgia. There's some sort of you know cool factor to that. Um, but you know, I like I like everything else, whether it's Uber Eats or you know, as we talked about last week, ordering. Uh, items from uh, vending machines and having Uber Eats deliver that to you. To me, this all sort of fits into the same sort of realm of, you know, convenience, right? And, you know, hey, I really need that ice cream right now. You know, I'm busy running around with my kids here at home. I don't want to put them in the car and drive out to go get it. So let me just hail the, uh, the ice cream truck, you know, with the Unilever products through the RoboMart app. What are your thoughts? Yeah, um, one thing I love about her new neighborhood is we also have an old school ice cream truck that drives around, or a couple of them, and it's also hailable. I just text or call a guy <laughs> yeah. and say, come, yeah. come to this place. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think this is fun. Like, again, the on-demand, the convenience factor is super, uh, it's great. Like, we need more of that in some ways, right? Um, and like my question really is more around the scalability but if it's offering more than just ice cream then of course it's a great it's a great um value proposition in my mind right and i i just you know it's simple it's not anything crazy like we've been we've been hailing convenience vehicles for a number of years for a number of reasons so um it'll be interesting to see if this does scale and if they roll it out to other cities but I would be hopeful that, you know, specifically here in New York and bigger cities that, that it would be, be coming soon. I like it. <laughs> Bring it to Toronto. We have hot, hot, humid summers up here. Let's go. Um, yeah. And I guess my, my only other thought on this is, you know, why I would, I guess, even though I do have kind of the old school ice cream truck that comes around, why I would still consider this is really, you know, if, if I have that kind of brand affinity to my ice cream. If I'm a Ben and Jerry's ice cream person, and this is a way to get Ben and Jerry's, you know, on demand, then I, I can see that, right? Whereas the old school ice cream truck isn't carrying, you know, these sort of, you know, national brands, right? They're carrying like literally soft serve and popsicles and, you know, whatever, you know, sort of, sort of stuff there, right? It's, right. it's, not, it's typically, not typically, you know, the, the big brands, but um, at least in my neighborhood. Um, yeah, same. Equally fun. So, 
All right. Well, that's our show for this week. Thank you, everybody, for listening and watching. It's been episode number 569 of Location Weekly. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, please reach out if you have story ideas. I did get one uh, that just came in uh, that we'll include next week. So, you know, um, don't hesitate. If you have story ideas that you want to share with us uh, that we can include, uh, give us some likes and some love on whatever platform you're consuming this on. And we'll see you next week for another show. Take care, everybody. Bye. <music>